Your Roots in Black Spirituality is a podcast series hosted by myself, Aziza Wonder, where I get to interview different Black queers of faith on their personal experiences of holding all the parts of their identity and what it looks like for them to learn to make more space for themselves in a world that tries to make them small. These conversations are honest, vulnerable, funny, and it is my hope that you would not only find yourself in them, but that you would be inspired. Enjoy. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to Queer Roots and Black Spirituality. Um, this podcast is um, just going to be me having conversations with Black queer folks and asking them a bit about their experience and and their queerness and spirituality and what it looks like to reconcile those two in the middle of in the middle of just the time and space that we live in where um, those two have like not been able to coexist. So I have here with me Graciela. Hello, hello. Yes, can do you want to give a quick intro? Yes. Um, so yeah, my name is Graciela. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and theirs. Um, a lot of folks know me um, in my city and kind of on the interwebs as a DJ, a singer, rapper, um, and community organizer. Um, I do a lot of work in my city around abolition, LGBT, liberation, um, mm -hmm. and just creating safe spaces for black and brown um, queer people. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> I love, I love... Honestly, I feel like you need to give your, um, your Zodiac placements. Oh, so yeah. It's not a queer space unless we're talking Zodiac a little bit. That's hard because you know the queers. They love their Zodiac. <laughs> so if you cannot tell by my many jobs, yes, I am in fact a Capricorn. Um, <laughs> yes, I am a Capricorn stallion, which, again, you probably know. Um, my rising is a Taurus, and I have a little Cancer moon. Um, my Venus is in Sagittarius, though, which kind of throws everything off because my Capricorn and my Mercury is also my Mercury and my Mars is also in Capricorn. <laughs> so all Earth baby. <laughs> Earth baby with a little bit of a little bit of tender. A that moon for sure. Also a little bit of excitement. Got that little Sag that throws it off. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very interesting energy of like um like hustle and Taurus like wants to be home and the empathy and then like having the Sagittarius energy of like <laughs> I want adventure yeah. and newness and excitement. Definitely. Always into that. All those things. <laughs> no, I really resonate. Balance. You're, you are a very balanced person. I think you bring a lot of balance where you are. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of folks have said that about me. Um, sometimes, you know, it's... I think I'm getting a lot better of finding that in my personal life, I'll say. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely about it. I think now more than ever in my work life where I'm able to be like being able to like state my needs a lot better and like what I want a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
hard to do that in my personal life, but I think I'm getting a lot better at it. My my therapist says she sees the glow up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I feel like that is such um that's also just such an important quality for for the safe space that you're like constantly seeking to create. Yeah. Um, because yeah, having yeah stability is just like really important for. I think also just like, I can't speak for all the queers, but like in my queer experience, there's just been a lot of, of ruckus um, in like, in trying to talk about my queerness, there's been a lot of like, um, just like entering into it and knowing that the ground is, is shaky. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely value the, yeah, just the kind of ground that you offer in um, queer conversations and in making queer people feel comfortable. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a lot has to do with, you know, we are not, you know, supposed to be challenging gender. We're not supposed to be challenging sexuality. You know, a lot of where we're at in the space that we're at, they really, they, the upper, the patriarchy, all that shit, they want us and like be straight and have babies and that's there's just more to us than that you know right I really want to know more about um your queer roots like what is um because I mean everyone always kind of kind of knows they're queer but like what was what was like that like for you as far as um deciding to to have that conversation with yourself yeah, I think as I reflect, like, now now that I get more language and kind of, like, um, get more um, get more into myself, I think I've always, I, I currently um, identify as a pansexual, non-binary person. Mm-hmm. Um, so meaning that, you know, I don't subscribe to any type of... Um, like label as far as like woman or man I kind of see myself like kind of all over the spectrum as far as like my gender um Mm -hmm. my sexuality pansexual meaning that you know I'm kind of attracted to everybody there's not really a specific um type of gender that I'm attracted to I I really do um um romantically and sexually I'm attracted to all genders and yeah. so, you know, when I was younger, um, I don't think I really like paid attention to romantic or like sexual like relationships really. Um, and so I was kind of like in middle school. Um, mm-hmm. I just wasn't really like I, I knew that niggas was paying attention to me because I had boobies and stuff really early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just was like, not really focused on that right Um, when I kind of got into high school I was like maybe I see girls in this way I find Lucy Lou very attractive but also that's a thing right Um, I was definitely doing some gay ass shit like I was always hanging out with the tomboys in elementary school like I totally remember wearing like this girl's hoodie and listening to Avril Lavigne on her floor like a lot of like queer things in retrospect like yeah that's really gay um and I've always had yeah (laughs) 
like if they but the thing is too is like there's so much more more space for um just like uh, i like i like i know you're non-binary but also just like growing up and um it just feels like like female female or like female presenting relationships just have so much more space to just like be gay you know and like no one questions that mm-hmm. and so i feel like internally too it's so hard to like know the difference between like romantic and then just like oh we're just like being we're just being pals right yeah exactly a femship was always like something that was really important and always ended up being um ended, ended up always entering a romantic space either way um, yeah but I think, you know, it wasn't until, like, I um, kind of got into, like, my mid-20s um, when I started, like, getting a lot more language and yeah. to be in spaces with more queer-presenting people. And when I met um, my first partner, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, not sure if this person identifies as femme or if this person identifies as a guy, but, like you're hot. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And it it was really sweet. That relationship was really sweet because, you know, she taught me a lot more about like, you know, lesbian dynamics and like, you know, got introduced me to the L word and like, not that that is like the entering point to like lesbian life or anything. The L word. (laughs) I've still not actually watched it. Fucking problematic. Like, Oh, can I cuss? Sorry. Um, you know, it's already, we're already here. <laughs> I was like, I always forget to ask. Um, so problematic. Um, but, you know, it just, it taught me a lot about, like, my queerness. Um, right. Also, like, with her being, like, a Black femme, you know, also, like, experiencing that dynamic of us, like, being kind of, like, Black weirdos, you know? Um mm. so, that's pretty much um, my queer roots. And, you know, now I'm definitely in a space where, you know, I'm learning a lot more, um, meeting a lot more like, like, you know, non-binary folks. I came out as non-binary about two years ago um, and using they, them pronouns. Um, And it feels really good that that feels very good for me. Um, I think a lot of that was rooted in, um, just like realizing that everything that was associated with like how a woman should be or what womanhood looks like, you know, yeah. was kind of related to like white supremacy and yeah. just really rejecting that. Um, and it feels good to be in this space and time. Um, you know, I still identify as a Mika, I still identify as a sister. Um, and so um, it feels it feels really good where I'm at in my gender and my sexuality. So I yeah. guess that's a long say that's where my roots are at. <laughs> I love it. Sweet roots. Um, I okay, I really want to hear you talk more about um or talk a little bit about your like your altar. And I um oh, I remember <laughs> I'm just kidding. I forget. Oh, sorry. Is it is it like a private thing? No, no. I'm just kidding. I was like, who's okay. <laughs> you know something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Because I remember when I was visiting you, like you said, uh, I forget the exact term you said, but like 
like you were referring to like queer ancestry, but like there's a very specific word you use. Transcestors. I love it. I like I like go so hard with that word. Like it just uh, feels it just feels good in the body. Shay, yes, as it should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about uh, tell me about that. Tell me like what um that looked like for you. Yeah, so I did a Duval folks. Um <laughs> not R.I.P., but I miss you. Um, Duval Folks, um, two years ago, um, it was um, the Duval Folks family reunion where mm-hmm. I had artists to come through, Black artists to come through and perform. Kind of like, for me anyways, a big part of my life um, was uh, we did family re- reunions. And at these time reunions, we did like, um, we had like food, we did like, um, volleyball, we um, did hacky sack. Um, that is cookout energy. Yes, we do a talent show. We do a yeah. dance. We go to church. And so, um, yeah, family reunions like really mean a lot to me. And so it was just like a beautiful space. And afterwards, this like trans boo, um, I don't know their name, but they gave me this, um, this wooden... Um, like art piece and it was a picture of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, which mm-hmm. backstory there, um, Marsha P. Johnson's a black femme sex worker. Sylvia Rivera is a Latinx sex worker. And mm-hmm. they were, um, along with Stormé, um, a black um, butch um, lesbian, um, were uh, major pillars in the Stonewall riots, mm-hmm. <laughs> which a lot of, um, a lot of folks, you know, we're starting to get their names said a lot more, um, but they were really dope <clears throat> trans um, um, icons, deities, goddesses, have you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Worthy of praise. That part that, you know, were really dope in that um, moving uh, Stonewall along. And yeah. so, yeah, this boo gave me this little wooden um, cutout and it says, um, it has like a, the famous picture of like Sylvia Rivera, like kind of like shouting and she's like leaning on um, Marsha P. Johnson and it says transcestors. Um, and yeah, it just like really meant a lot to me that this person gave it to me and I really hold that word a lot and hold it hard towards me because a lot of black and brown trans folks are the reason why, well, they are the reason why we have pride. Um, Black um, and brown trans folks are dying at a very alarming rate. It is a femicide. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just really respect the work that, you know, trans folks have continued to do. They continuously put their bodies on the line, whether that's, advocacy whether that's through sex work whether that's through um their their being you know them living every single day um and especially towards like black trans folks who live in the south um they actively um participate in resistance against white supremacy um and so i really respect um black trans folks black and brown trans folks so much and a lot of them are walking transcestors already, and we should treat mm. them as such. And so, um, yeah, transcestors mean a lot to me. I feel like they definitely, I'm definitely more of like a spiritual person. Um, and I really feel like they walk with me and they protect me 
and all the work that I do. Mm. I haven't even considered like living ancestors. I like in my mind, it's always like, oh, they're gone. They're long gone. Yeah. No, we have to treat ourselves and treat each other. Like we are living ancestors already. I saw Mm. that not too long ago and I was just like, oh damn. Yeah. I like that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. How does that compare to um, your spiritual background growing up? Oh, way different. I grew up um, a very traditional Catholic Mexican. (laughs) Yeah. Confirmation. I had a first communion. Um, I had a quinceanera. My quinceanera was very rooted in the church. Um, I had to... Yeah, do all the things. <laughs> yeah. um, when I graduated high school. I like told my mom that I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I'm going to be Christian. And she cried. And yeah, now she's just like, whatever, Mika, whatever you want to do. Wait, at Christian? <laughs> yes. When I told her I didn't want to be Catholic anymore, I wanted yeah. to be Christian. She was so sad about it. She was oh. hella sad about it. Yes. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, like, as, as an adult now, can you understand like what what she was grieving at that time? I mean, she just is that's what she knows, you know, that's all she's ever known. Yeah. Um like to be to believe in God and to believe in Catholicism. Um, but I think it's like it was hard for me after I started reading about colonization and what like the missionaries did to like you know, folks all over the world, not only Africa, but also like um, in other parts of the world. I was just like, I can't get down with this. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I really cannot get down with this at all. And yeah. So, um, so yeah, that um, that really, it, I don't judge her at all. Um, but it just was like, I definitely knew it was just kind of like, this is all she knew. And she mm-hmm. just wanted to protect me and wanted God to protect me. Right. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you so it sounds like whenever you first started experiencing conflict with like spirituality, it was in the sense of just like your blackness. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, definitely. I think it was just like once I started reading a lot more and watching a lot more documentaries around like Christianity learning that like, you know, that the Bible was translated so many different times. There's parts of the Bible that like, we don't even have access to, um, really locked away in the Vatican. Like what? (laughs) And literally they use the Bible to say that like black people were nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. like they literally use that. But it's like the only time that like black folks were allowed to conjure was when, they were having church. So it's just, I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> just doesn't oh, sure. Where, okay. So you're like denouncing the church kind of energy. Like where were you in, in your queer space around that time? I was pretty thick in it. Um, oh, okay. I went, I went to this amazing um, screening that um, the Jacksonville Community Action Committee put on. Um, where they were screening this documentary. I always forget the name of it, Um, but it's narrated by Lauren Hill. Um, And yeah, when I watched her, 
can't remember the documentary. Um, but yeah, it was just like when I was learning about what the hell was happening um, around like Christianity and like what they just used it for, it just like really just disturbed me deeply. Um, yeah. And I kind of was already in a space where I was just like not sure what was going on. Like it just was not resonating with me. Um, and it just like really cemented a lot of stuff for me that I was kind of like already in my brain. Mm. Yeah. Did you, so then what was the, the bridge to where you are now? Like, how did you end up in, in the space of like transcestors and altars and. Yeah, I think well, altars was definitely already a huge part of like my Hispanic culture. Um, Mexicans are very, like, if you get into like some deep, like Mexican stuff, they are very like, you know, um, very spiritual. And like something I learned recently is like one in two actually slaves, one in two slaves actually went through Veracruz, which is in Mexico. And mm -hmm. so it's like, there is a mix of that, you know, of hoodoo, voodoo, um, yeah. of um, spiritual spirituality there. And so I feel very connected to altars and like having altars of and pictures of like folks from my past and resonating with like smudges um, and things like that. And so I think I'm still definitely on a journey. You know, I kind of really do do what feels good, um, what feels good in my body and listen to that. And yeah, it, I think I'm still like on this spirit, my spirituality journey, a hundred percent. I took my first like spiritual bath, which was amazing. Job. <laughs> that was pretty powerful and pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely what, wanted that, to what does that look like? A spiritual bath? Oh my gosh. So I have been spending lots of time in Atlanta. Um, and like my boo took me to this like really cute little like black bruja space and they recommended this bath and it had like a lot of like different herbs and stuff in it and so basically you kind of write out your intentions well the bath that I took was a like a releasing energy bath and so that energy out of my life and so I had to write out all my intentions like say it to myself um, and then they prepared the, the bath. And so basically you boil like hot water and then you pour all of it into the water, but you keep the bag. It's an important part. Um, put the bag to the side. Then you kind of let the bath like, um, like, uh, how you say, like sit for about 15 to 20 minutes in the hot water. Then you sit in the bath and then you uh, before you like pour it over you, you say your intentions. Then as it's pouring over you, you say it again, you say them out loud. And then you kind of sit in like all, uh, and it's like, a lot. Like I didn't realize it was so many like herbs and leaves and it, it kind of like is all over your body. Then you sit in there. Um, and then after about 20 minutes, you drain everything but then you pick up all the herbs. You put it back in the bag. Are you alone for this whole thing? Say again. Are you alone? I was alone. Yeah. Okay. Prepared it for me. Um, and then when you, um, when you after you drain the bath, you collect all of the the um, the herbs and you put it back mm -hmm. in the bag. And then you tell them thank you. You tell the the leaves yeah. thank you. 
through the herbs. Thank you. And then um, you say your intentions again, and then you burn it. And you have to wear white after the bath. Wow. And when I tell you. That sounds so powerful. You got released. Released. <laughs> the things wow. I released were gone. And it was, it was beautiful. It was so, like, even just, like, feeling, like, the herbs, like, flow over me mm. just was, it was great. Like, it really did feel like I let go of it all. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's it's different. Like also, every, there's so much that the body holds. So it makes sense that oh. to wash your body in that way was really, like, relieving your body of all of that, like, tight energy yes oh and you're supposed to light a candle ah, that, stop like, it a candle i love candles yes it was so i mean if you ever find yourself in atlanta yeah yes okay black um bruja space and it is it's great yeah it sounds like um i and i really relate to this that like connecting with because i also grew up in this like very Baptist space. Mm -hmm. And I find that when the spirituality that I have now is very much <laughs> connected to, um, to, to Sudan, to like my, my genuine culture and, um, and to like animism and, um, and just like connecting with creation and nature and, and, quote unquote inanimate objects and um that's really cool to like hear your story and and know that you were actually just returning to your heritage and like yeah the spirit it's been a hundred percent it's been very healing um and it, it just feels right it feels better yeah. i talk to me about queer tribe like what has that what does that look like for you? Because I know that you are very, um, it's a passion of yours to create that. Yeah. Um, was that one, was that like, I'm just curious, was it like you could not find queer space and then you got like super, super passionate about making it or you experienced queer space and now you're like, okay, now I'll make it. Like, where did that, like, how'd you get there? I think yeah. it was definitely a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I, um, uh, the most, uh, where I started to like, um, get a lot more queer culture was, and just like poly or poly, um, political education, um, was through girls rock. Um, and so when I went to, um, my first conference, it was girls rock conference. Um, I got to experience a POC caucus. Um, where I was around only black and brown queer people. Um, yeah. And then we did a breakout group where I was only around black queer people. And that was the first time I ever experienced like that queerness and in the problems and the resilience and just the things that we go through. Um, most of the folks that also were in that circle were black Southern femmes. And so Southern black queerness um, mm. and I really felt like I memorized that 
feeling in my body and I was just like, I really want to recreate this in some way. Um, I definitely think I compartmentalized it as Capricorns do. Um, when I started DJing, I was like, oh, like this is how I can create that feeling um, that I put way back over there. Um, and I brought it back and I was DJing in like gay clubs and I was just like, this is whack as hell. Like all the, the DJ spaces in Jacksonville are racist and I have no problem saying that they are racist as hell. Mm. And I was just like, and gay. And I think there's a huge difference between gay culture and queer culture. And that was Mm. present. And I was just like, yeah, I definitely want to create a very queer, you know, space that is very protective around black and brown queers, black femmes, um, and also like a a safe space for trans folks. Um, At the time when I created Duval Folks in 2018, Jacksonville was the number one, um, the, the city where the most black trans women were being murdered in the United States. And I just wanted to create like a queer nightlife where like black and brown people could find it one accessible, didn't have to pay anything. um, And two, just like made them feel safe and made them feel centered in that night. Um, And so I think that just really meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think I achieved that (laughs) and uh, really miss it a lot. Um, But I think it was um, very healing for me to create that space um, and to just have that space accessible for like other black and brown trans people and queer people. Mm. I, as a, as a queer leader, right? Like when you're in, in space you're generally like have the mic or you're you know like you have a role I'm just curious where do you find queer comfort you know where it's like because I'm I and I mean maybe I'm just like assuming but I just would imagine that the um the like natural hierarchy that would like place for someone might be like like do you do you, does that resonate at all or? Um, I mean, I definitely don't believe in hierarchies, and so even when people say that, I de- I don't like to see myself as a leader. Right. Um, I don't, I don't, I, but I tend to like I, you know, a lot of folks like assume that's like my position, um, right. and it's like that's just. I don't feel like that's like my, like, that's for me, you know, I think I'm very much so want other people to be in the center. I want to find ways to uplift other people before my own, you know, I definitely, you know, bottom is where I'm at. That's my position. And so it's just, I want other folks to feel empowered. I want other folks to feel like they can like, you know, be on top or whatever they feel like that is, you know, um, yeah. I just don't believe that. I believe that there's space for all of us, you know, and Absolutely. you know, there's room for all of us. Um, and not just like a seat at the table when our ancestors made that table in that house and the ground and all the things. And so Absolutely. it's just to make spaces available for like all black and brown, like trans people and like queer people, um, feel like they can 
have access to that. You know, I believe I'm a very big believer in accessibility and I just want folks to feel like they can access the spaces that I'm in, which they're not really like that elite, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I definitely am glad that um, I got to meet you at a very human level. Um, and I know, and I know that like from our personal conversations, being human is very important to you and like being tangible is very important to you. Yeah. Like what yeah. are, like, how do you get yourself like back on ground when you feel like people are trying to hold you to that, to that kind of energy? Mm, therapy. Um, you know, my therapist definitely, even today just like reminds me that she, rem- she had this really good analogy um, where she was talking about that game operation. And she was like, when someone reaches a level or a space where you don't want and you feel that, eh, like, that's when you they need to be gone or you need to reassess like where you're at. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, my therapy definitely helps me kind of like analyze my um, situations and analyze like who needs to be near me and who's not. Um, and when my body doesn't feel good, I'm just like, you know what? Like, like, I appreciate you, like, here for you, but I'm about to take my step back, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it's because, too, for a long time, I did not, you know, choose myself. I did not choose um, to keep my body safe. And um, it was really hard for me um, to kind of get out of that space. It took me a lot of years. It took a lot of time. And so now that I am in this space where I'm a lot better, like, my health is better like my mental my emotional my physical um I am very protective of this feeling that I have right now and I and I want to keep it so mm-hmm. ah I love that it's literally rebellion like <laughs> health, like black health is such rebellion yeah no my therapist is great she um you know I have my moments with her but overall I feel <laughs> I feel really good about it and I I, it was a good reminder for her to like tell me that because oftentimes I don't you know I don't really listen to my body I kind of like go over yeah Capricorn things very Capricorn things nothing (laughs) what do you feel like um tell me what do you feel like is a is a truth that in of your identity that you can come back to that I'm black (laughs) I am black and that has been not a truth that I feel like I've I've always wanted to own um Mm -hmm. honest um you know I grew up um, in a space where, you know, I did not know my dad's fam- side of the family. My dad's black. Um, my mom's Mexican. And I grew up mostly around, like, my Mexican family. Um, and, you know, living in the South, you know, a lot of folks or a lot of young people that I was around, you know, really denounced my blackness. And mm-hmm. with my name being Graciela, when I was a kid, you know, I really rejected that name. I was like, no, my name is Gracie. Um, and so I think it's like me owning my blackness and knowing that like, yes, like 
my blackness is great. Like my blackness is beautiful. Like my blackness is powerful um, is definitely something that resonates with me. And I circle back to and remind myself often, you know, that that's who I am. Um, And I think also after learning that like one and two slaves like went through Mexico and like how rich of like Mexico's history is rooted in blackness too. It was so affirming for me as well. So I, uh, I love that. I love that so much. I, I feel like, um, there's so much more, um, just space for, for blackness within the black community, because I definitely resonate with that story of like, not being able to claim blackness just because of like my Sudanese heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even growing up and having conversations with, with um, black people who were from America and still felt like, and I, and it just like, it just makes me think like, what was the image of blackness? Cause it just felt like no one was fitting it, you know, at the time that like, uh, we were growing up and um, people telling us what our blackness was, you know, we didn't have black people telling black stories mm. and so much of that is changing now, you know, through media, yeah. through, yeah, um, through music, you know, we have black people telling our black stories. So it's, it's really affirming now to see that, you know, those stories. Right. Uh, black storytelling. It's powerful. It really is. I yeah, I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of yours um, with me today. No, of course. No, thank you so much for inviting me. I okay. This is going to be my last question. Okay. Um, what what advice would you have to offer a little a little baby baby black queer? Hmm. Specifically, those who are um, struggling to to hold intention in all of their identities. Mm. I think <clears throat> I think the advice I would give is to do what feels good. You know, just know that the binary does not exist. You know, the binary was created by white supremacy. You know. Mm. It was- by white men telling us that our identities were not real, that our identities were not anything um, so that they could like, you know, take our bodies and take everything that we have and just be, be true to you, you know, and what feels good, you know, feminist, butches, mascus, like who you want to be and just don't worry about any of what folks have to say, you know, yeah. Um, is truly a social construct. Sexuality is a social construct. Romantic relationships are a social construct. And, you know, communicate and just do what feels good for you. Yeah. I Do you have any anything to say about... Because um, I think of, like, do what feels good for you. And then I think about the just the natural like guilt that comes with learning to do what's good for you. Um, when you have like had a lifetime of, mm-hmm. of just like following someone else's box. Yeah. What do you say about 
about those like complicated feelings that come up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's real and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that is a natural thing because again, like society, like American society tells us that if we choose ourselves, that that is selfish. And I think that there is definitely room for you to be selfish, you know, um, mm-hmm. room for you to be, um, take up all the space. You're allowed to take up all that space, you know, especially if queer person a hundred percent take up all the goddamn space in the world you deserve it you know right. and I think the best advice that I definitely have gotten this year is thinking about like when I'm talking to myself thinking about you're talking to a friend like how would I tell my friend to care for themselves you know if somebody was doing them wrong or if somebody was telling them you know something bad I'd be like you know what fuck that person or forget that person like <laughs> yourself first and that's how I need to talk to myself as well like that person Graciela you deserve better you Mm. deserve better you deserve to feel good in your body you Mm. just you you know wear that collared shirt with that makeup on and you look good you know right um but you know my whole life is submerged in queerness I'd be forgetting that straight people exist sometimes okay same (laughs) same so yeah and I think it's a lot of like self-talk and telling yourself that like hey it's okay to dress how you want be how you want um because there's no one way to be trans there's no one way to be queer there's no one way to be femme there's no one way to ask there's no one way to be a gender like any of those things like we're all those things um so yeah I think it's just being gentle meeting your feelings with compassion yeah. Uh, self-advocacy really changes your relationship with you. Definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, all of that. Yes. And amen. Thank you for, thank you to be at the church of Graciela today. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> Yeah, I yes, I really appreciate this. Um, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm like totally about to pass out. You got all the rest of my energy for the day. <laughs> I'm gl- I'm honored to have gotten your energy for the day. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> good to see you. Yes, talk to me. Bye. Thank you for listening to an episode of Queer Roots and Black Spirituality. It has been a pleasure to have you here listening in, sharing in this space with us. Be gay, be well, until next time. This podcast was made possible in part by a grant from the Southern Equality Fund. Special thanks to all of those who shared their stories with us and the team who made this podcast possible, including Aziza Wonder, Troy Aragon Buchanan, Allison Corin, Michael Yerrick, Ty Sullivan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III.